So before we get started, if you're planning on playing this game, you should probably do so before listening to this episode. Even the opening bit is going to have some spoilers in it. It's free, it's short, and it's great. If you don't care about the spoilers, well, here we go. Excuse me, do you know where the bar is? Yes, it's three cars down. Thank you. You know, funny thing, I don't remember getting on this train. Something that's so mundane can be easy to forget. No, I mean, the last thing I remember happening was looking out the window at this cafe. Do tell me about it. Well, I was sitting there, someone yelled, and I turned around, and... Wait. Oh, is it coming back now? Yeah, someone fell. I remember that now. Then a waiter tripped over that person and... Go on. Then a fork went flying. It came right at my eye. I can't remember anything after that. Did you have any weird circumstances for being at the cafe? Nope, just wanted a nice cup of tea and a pastry. Really? Nothing at all? No heartbreak that led you there? No deep personal issue that you felt like you needed to reflect on? Nope, nothing. Hi, I couldn't help but overhear your conversation. I can't remember getting on the train either. What do you remember before that? Well, I got a notification about a tornado by the touchdown. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I got in a shelter out back. Smart. Go on. It took quite a while. Maybe 45 minutes? Had a lot of time to reflect on things in your past, did you? Maybe reflecting a little too much and you contemplated if it was worth even surviving such an event. No, I heard the storm die out and I opened up the shelter door. Ah, so perhaps it hadn't died out yet and some debris came flying at you. No, that's not it. Wait. I tripped over the last stair coming up. I remember falling forward and... Oh god. Sprinkling in the yard was up. Ah, yes. As you fell towards it, you realized you never wanted a lawn in the first place and regretted ever buying your home. Perhaps your significant other made you buy it and you held some disdain for them as... No, I just thought, God, I can't believe I forgot to turn off the sprinklers after all the rain we had. And the next thing I know, I'm here. Huh. That's fascinating. I know. Weird, right? Why can't I remember getting on this train, though? You either? Wait, you don't remember getting on this thing either? No, I kind of hate trains. I don't know why I'd be here. Hmm. Tell me what you remember. Well, I went for a walk downtown. I had my earbuds in so I could listen to a podcast while I walked. Okay. Sounds real exciting. Look, whatever. It was a podcast series about World War I, and I needed a couple of hours distraction-free to listen to it, so I thought I'd take a walk. You seem fun. Look, tea and crumpets, I don't need a lecture from you about excitement. Okay, okay. Let's all calm down. Go on. Okay, so I remember someone shouting at me to look out. I looked up, and there's a piano falling down. What? Like in a Warner Brothers cartoon? Yeah, it was ridiculous. Well, anyway, it missed me by a good few yards. I used to play the piano as a kid, so that would have been a hell of a way to go. Perhaps you regret not continuing to play it, and this was the universe telling you something. Nah, I doubt it. I have stubby fingers and I wasn't really that good anyway. Anyway, so I keep walking. I pulled out my phone to skip back a minute on the podcast because I missed some of it in the ruckus. I get to a crosswalk and decide to cross the street. There's a car coming, but it's pretty far away, so I just walk quickly across the street. Go on. Well, I get halfway across the street and see that the car has gotten closer than I thought it would. You froze. You thought about all the things in your life you hadn't accomplished and would never accomplish, and thought maybe the car coming was a metaphor for your life catching up to you more quickly than you realized. 
and that maybe it was okay to just let it hit you. What? No, dear God, get help. No, I walked a little faster. The car honked as it drove by as I was stepping up on the curb. Ah, I didn't notice it was coming right at you. No, I looked back and it was honking at another car that had turned right in front of it. I turned and... Yes? I hit my head on the pedestrian signal and fell backwards. So, as you fell backwards, you regretted moving to the city. If only you hadn't moved, you wouldn't have been walking along trying to fill the pointlessness of your existence with a podcast. No, I just... What the hell is wrong with you? You're so damn morbid. Yeah, you seem weirdly obsessed with our psyches. <laughs> no, just trying to make idle conversation. Well, you suck at it. Excuse me, I have something to attend to. What was that about? What is a psychopath? I thought I was socially awkward. Layla, you did it again, didn't you? I'm sorry, I just wanted to hear their stories. Again with that excuse? When will you learn? I think this will be the time. They all lived such mundane lives, all died by some freak accident. Nothing like that batch of three from a hundred years ago? Oh no, their stories were so boring. Nothing interesting at all with this group. So why are they on this train? They did some podcasts about video game movies, self-inflicted torture over years and years of their lives. Ah, makes sense now. Yes, not deserving of being at the back of the train, but still, what horrible lives they led. Indeed. The final stop might feel like a comparative reprieve. On this month's spooky Games and Junk Game Club podcast, we tell stories on a train to hell in If on a Winter's Night for Travelers. Hello, and welcome to another Games and Junk Game Club. I am your host, John Lucero, and this month we'll be talking about the point-and-click adventure game, If on a Winter's Night for Travelers. And joining me, as always, are... Vanessa Cahill. And Jason Ariola. And this month we have two very special guests with us. The developers of said game, Flower Hunt and Tomas Mooring. Could you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves? Hey, yeah, I'm Laura. <laughs> I was uh, responsible for the for the writing, the coding, and the audio of the game, uh, part of the music, and the music that I did, and the curation of the music that I did not uh, make myself. <laughs> yeah, hi, I'm Thomas Möhring. Um, it's one of those strange German last names, and um, I was responsible for pretty much everything else that Laura didn't do. <laughs> which uh, usually is uh, the, the graphics, the cutscenes, everything um, you actually see in the game. Quite the team. Um, we are we're very glad you guys could join us for this. Uh, it's a pleasure to uh, get to uh, get the insights of people that actually made the game. Um, oh, thank you for having us. Of course. Jason, you picked the game this month. What uh, drew you to this game? I'm going to say initially it was the art style. I saw the, like, just the pixel art on this thing is fantastic looking. And then I, I don't remember initially what got me to this game in the first place, 
uh, we were talking about this before we started recording the show. It was either uh, HIO or um, somebody on Twitter must have shown something about it. And the more I looked into it and just the kind of story it was going for seemed really interesting. And then I played it a little bit. and I was like, yeah, I think I want this to be our game for the next game club. Yeah, and uh, luckily it was a spooky game too, you know, for uh, Halloween time. It's uh it it goes it goes some places <laughs> by the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it gets uh, And normally this is where I would uh let Jason give a little background or or a lot of background depending on which uh, which game we're talking about. Uh-huh. But I think it'd be more appropriate if the de- developers <laughs> themselves gave us a little background on Dead Idol Games and your studio and if on a winter's night. Uh so you guys want to just talk about yourselves really for a little bit go ahead well we'll try to make it short so it doesn't get super boring but uh <laughs> basically i was looking to to get into just making video games uh mostly narrative stuff uh i had been playing a lot of narrative games like uh what remains of the finch um kentucky Route zero mm-hmm. some modern point and click adventure games i was never really into the genre um mm. oh, into okay. the classics so so i was Actually inspired by more modern stuff, like I don't know if you know the Cloak and Dagger games. I'm familiar. They're small. Yeah. Uh, they're are small indie game, but they have like indie dev. Sorry, they have a few interesting games. And I was kind of like, you know, I want to do this um, because um, I'm not really uh, an amazing coder. Um, I cannot really think in terms of like. Uh, complex game mechanics like platformers, like mm-hmm. shooters, like stuff like that. I wanted to do something narrative, something simple in in the technical sense, but which would convey a lot of like a uh, uh, um, big emotional load, right? Uh, just telling stories, expressing stuff. So I got into, I looked into engines which would be easy to use. I found Adventure Game Studio, mm-hmm. which is basically designed to um, just to make point and click adventures very easy to use well the scripting can get complex but if you want to make very basic stuff it's really easy to get into so i did a, a very simple game which uh because i i cannot uh do art i cannot draw i cannot do pixel art i cannot paint to to save my life i oh, just don't worry, a I bunch of, <laughs> yeah i mean i never pretended that i that i can right i just took a bunch of pictures of, of my apartment and made a very simple like like escape the room kind of game mm-hmm. just to test the waters a little bit and uh, after that uh, I was like well I like this this is nice I'm just gonna keep trying stuff and I found uh, Bitsy which is uh, even simpler engine it's just like 8-bit kind of aesthetic uh, you can only use three colors extremely simple it's all in HTML I wanted to try that one too, and I made a very simple story inspired by American murder ballads. Um, okay. And I don't know why I, I, I pinged Thomas. I was like, you know, like my art skills suck. Um, this is a very, very simple, very limited engine, but maybe you can, you know, make my trees look a, a bit better. And he was like, yeah, why not? You know, this could be fun. And he just, fucker, he just like (laughs) took those trees. (laughs) I don't know how you did it, man. But and that was a first cooperation. It was like two weeks, one week for the writing, one week for the art. 
Mm-hmm. And we just uh, we just put it up for free on it show that was in the pines in the pines where the sun never shines, and it's a very simple like three four minute game uh, with no sound no music just a little interactive story, but we felt there was something that we really enjoyed working together, like putting uh, you know our talents together and making the the most of both our strength and we said like. You know, let, let's make something else together. Let's make something a little bit more ambitious. Maybe, you know, instead of just three or four minutes, just like 15, 30 minutes of gameplay. Uh, well, it started growing and growing and growing, <laughs> and it ended up being, uh, I found yeah, a winter's sure night for travelers. <laughs> um, I, I have to be honest. I mean, the first time I looked actually at your graphics in the Bitsy engine for In the Pines, I didn't think it was that bad. So when people always tell, oh, I cannot draw, I cannot do graphics, usually when you take a closer look at it, it's actually not that true. And I didn't feel that way the first time I looked at it. It was just a super fun opportunity, exactly the way you described it. And it's interesting because uh, we know each other for quite some time now, but we never actually worked together because we come from vastly different backgrounds. And uh, th- uh, thanks to a mutual friend who, who is my girlfriend, we know each other for a couple of years now, but as I mentioned before, we never actually worked together on a, on a, on a project. And this time was the first chance in it, of course, it, uh, I could just uh, look at, looking at it, it was just a chance I couldn't let go. And um, yeah, it's true, after one week we had this, and it's precisely how I described it. I still remember when you just said, yeah, let's, let's do this. And uh, I think it was even me who said, oh, we need to take a look at the workload. It shouldn't be it's too much to do. Just remember how expensive everything is. And then I was probably one of the ones who said, yeah, and then another room and let's, let's do these effects here. And I was probably major, uh, also uh, responsible for, for a lot of that feature creep that happened then. But after that point, I think two years later, looking at what we have right now, this is just, I mean, I'm quite sure we will have the chance to to express that a little bit in, in more detail, but this is such an incredible journey. And when, and when I look back at the, in, the, in the pines and now having this, this is, I, mm-hmm. if someone would have told me that we ended up here and now having, for example, an interview with you guys is just insane. I, no one of us would have ever thought that. That this was possible and that we would actually do this so yeah i'm quite nervous as you can tell but uh, still this is uh, such an amazing opportunity to do well, this right now so well, I, yeah i, I can go. just steal the mic if you yes, start to, just like that. blabbering too much no, no please go ahead talk for as long as you want it's yeah no absolutely yes yeah. it's wonderful I was uh, just uh remembering ahead. that email actually when we started planning the game and we say like okay it's gonna be something like really short it doesn't really have to have a lot of gameplay it can be just like a walking simulator slash visual novel whatever uh we said it would be like uh yeah maybe a month uh, and then i wrote in an email when we started planning more in detail i wrote like you know this is starting to look like a six month project huh? <laughs> <laughs> and that have been two years uh, well, I to mean, be honest, yeah. though, it's not uh, two years like all. The, I mean, for you, it uh, probably was. Yeah, yeah. You, because you, I had a lot of jobs in the meantime. So uh, for me, I think the actual nap time uh, that I was able to spend it was more or less one good year of work. I think. Yeah, year something. But yeah, I actually I needed every day of those two years, basically. So. It was super interesting actually getting back to doing pixel graphic because that, despite you, um, I grew up with the classics, with the point-and-click uh, adventure uh, mm-hmm. games, and I very much loved 
those, especially, for example, Monkey Island 2, that's okay. very close to my heart in, in oh, terms yeah. of the visual aesthetic and everything, still to this very day. And even though uh, we were quite sure, of course, we don't want to make funny games or funny point-and-click adventure games because we, this is not where, where we feel comfortable or we are at home. Um, this was still something I wanted to somehow um, look back into. And I think In the Pines was the first chance to do a little bit of pixel art again. And doing this, of course, was another chance for me just to explore the, the good old pixel graphics again. And I wasn't sure at this point where we're going to, uh, where we will be ending up, but man, this was a, a joyride, yeah. I mean, you guys made a wonderful game. Uh, so I think the, the time was uh, well spent. For the listeners that haven't played the game, it's, it is, a, like they've said, it's a point and click adventure game, you know, I said earlier. Uh, it takes place on a train with the aforementioned travelers basically explaining how they got there and you play through their little vignettes essentially to uh, get the background on how we've got how they all arrived at the same at the same destination I really enjoyed it it was a nice way to spend an evening I would say for sure uh, Vanessa how do you how do you uh, what are your overall thoughts on the game right now oh I loved it it was fun um, I have to let you know that you did beat out Silent Hill 2 as our game club choice so <laughs> you did we did choose you <laughs> we did choose you over Silent Hill 2 yeah so, yeah yeah <laughs> say thank god this game was so much more my style I really loved it I've already recommended it to a bunch of people <laughs> Um, yeah, I loved I loved everything about it. I love the vibe um, at points, uh, especially like in the third act. It was a little spooky for me, but I really, really enjoyed it. I was actually sad because um, I was expecting a fourth story. And then, of course, the fourth traveler is, um, you know, like the old man. And I was like, oh, no, it's over. I don't get another amazing story. Um, but I really, yeah, really yeah, enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, not the only one. <laughs> a lot of people felt. <laughs> mm -hmm. That was very uh, divisive. Well, old lady, actually. Oh, yes. Layla, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes. which incidentally means night in Hebrew. So there's oh, another, okay. another little there's, clue. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of that stuff in this game. There's a lot of nods to a lot of different things that uh, yeah, plenty of them went over my head for sure. But I definitely caught a few. Um, Jason, uh, how did you feel about the game? I was um, very happy to have this game totally. I would say surpassed my expectations. I wasn't expecting as good of like writing and storytelling as there was in this, but you guys just absolutely knocked it out of the park just between the look and the writing of it. It just really meshed together so well. And I really enjoyed this uh, so much so that I went back and uh, went through a uh, Carlo's story again, just to see how it went. If I uh, say pursue the other option, um, cause I, you can, um, the, the first, the first traveler there, you can, basically like set it up where you're getting broken up with, or he's breaking up with uh, Patrick, mm -hmm. his boyfriend or lover or whatever. Yeah. Not a lot of people noticed that. And not a lot of people went back to play the other path. You so. were just achievement hunting. Were you? <laughs> no, absolutely. Abs actually, I, I'm still missing like four of the achievements on there. So <laughs> yeah, I'm missing like six, I think. Um, but I also didn't, I didn't look, I didn't look ahead of time. I, I, I never do. I unfortunately didn't have time to go back and play it. Um, but I would have liked to just to see all the different directions everything could take. Is it all end at the same spot? Can I ask that? Is it all, do they all end at the same place essentially? Or do they have vastly yeah. different endings? Okay. Okay. No, so the, the ending of the first act of, of the whole game for that doesn't change at all. It was more about different ways to get there, so mm -hmm. to say. So yeah. you can choose one of the two main paths. And even within those two branches, you can choose to be like uh, more of an asshole or more of a victim, right? To be mm -hmm. more like compassive or be more like, yeah, fuck you, Patrick. Get so the fuck the route, out of here. That's you know, the route that, I went. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting to see people playing it on YouTube and most people tend to go the gentle way, right? To be like, no, but it doesn't have to be like this, blah, blah. But then there's people who just, you, you know, like like to poke. Oh, yes, quite emotional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so that's interesting. Like, um, that was, a, I think, there's been a, a bunch of people, you know, when you read the reviews and people's impressions, a lot of, a lot of them just consider the first act to be like a minor one, just kind of like a tutorial introduction. Mm-hmm. But for me as a writer, I was it was very interesting to explore all those possibilities and the relationship of the player with the character, right? At first, there was only going to be a path, actually, and, I, and it, felt, it felt that it fell short, and I decided to create the second path. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the idea was um, for the player to decide who they wanted to be or who they want Carla to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can say that your choices do not change anything, but they do change the impression you get of the character. They they do change how you see and feel the scene and who you how you react emotionally to that, right? If you're acting like an asshole because you don't like Patrick, then maybe the the um, the conclusion might make you feel different. Like, yeah, he deserved that anyway. Like, you know, whatever, fuck him. But if you're really invested in trying to make this work, then the conclusion. Uh, will hit you differently, and that was how, what I was trying to explore. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, in that in that act, it was all about the dialogue, the choices, and how a lot of different choices and a lot of uh, different possibilities can end up leading to uh, you know the same result, basically. So it's a it's a lot more experimental, I think, than people give it credit for, who just like looking for like puzzles or all the acts. It was the biggest uh, like literary experiment, so to say. Okay. Yeah, so I, I, it wasn't just like a throwaway, you know, just a, yeah. a dialogue between two guys and oh my god, it was actually yeah very influenced by Kentucky Route Zero in that sense where things uh, your uh, your choices don't do not change the outcome, but they they define who you are and and yeah that's basically what I wanted to explore here. Although uh, nobody asked, but I yeah. just wanted to <laughs> No, no, that's a. Uh, that's what I, you're here for. <laughs> I personally uh, love that mindset. I I don't I don't need the ending of the act to be different. I really like when they kind of just make you choose how how what kind of character that person is. I really enjoy that. Um, it doesn't it doesn't bother me when my choices don't lead to some big difference, other than just who that person is. I really. I, it's uh, something I've always liked in games. Even going back to like the Walking the Walking Dead game that was. Uh, which the endings for those stories pretty much all lead to the same thing, but it's kind of like who you make your character along the way, and I've always liked that. So, Thomas will well, remember. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. the in the small individual stories was there any particular reason you decided to go that direction well actually that was thomas's idea he oh, was okay. like because like i said we wanted to be do something short uh not too ambitious at the beginning he was like why don't we do like several short stories 
and you were you're really into this uh yes. 60s and 50s Absolutely. horror yes. and uh the dr terror's house of horrors these mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anthology horror movies and, and that was first your idea right like the framing things. It's interesting because you were, we were talking about divisive things and I think the chapter four or act four of our game, um, which was probably the, the only thing that we had like set right from the beginning is... Yeah, yeah, the ending was the literally the first, uh, first thing I wrote. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. People were uh, felt a little bit, maybe it sounds a little bit strong, but a little bit cheated out on, on the fourth act. And there was, oh, I wanted more. Where's my fourth act? And uh, there's clearly one missing. And for us, it was always like, this one was always there right from the beginning. We always <laughs> wanted it to end like this. And yeah. probably because of the uh, Dr. Terror's House of Horrors yeah, of uh, course, framing all, story. All these movies have the framing story, right? And it does count as another story. Like... Uh, it's not just the ones in the middle. The framing story just kind of like wraps everything up and exactly. puts everything in context. I mean, this is very silly. I was watching uh, Tales from the Dark Side, like I told you, and the oh, framing wow. story. <laughs> wow. The framing okay. story is that the, the, the suburban lady witch, which wants to, who wants to cook a boy, mm-hmm. and the boy just tells her these stories, share the same style, yeah. Yeah. just to keep her busy. And in the end, he breaks free. That's a story in its own right, right? It frames yeah. the other three, but it is also a story. And I, I think we've, uh, like I said, this has been a bit divisive because a lot of reviews say this uh, game presents us with three stories that no, it's four. <laughs> I mean, if you look at in terms of gameplay and everything, no, I, yeah, I can see the point. I mean, this is just... Well, uh, it's just the last story is not playable, but it's exactly, there. Exactly, but yeah. that's probably the, the, the difference there that uh, leads to that impression, so... Yeah, yeah, it's um, unfortunate that that seems to go over some people's heads that like the whole thing of you being on the train there and at the very the sort of the reveal at the end is like, that's the fourth story. Like how I yeah. I, I don't know how that kind of goes over your head, but apparently it did miss a few people, unfortunately. <laughs> no, no, I, I can I can see the point. I mean, it's usually we're still a game what we're doing and some people just maybe just feel that more strongly connected to to a game in terms of what they're actually clicking and mm-hmm. and, and just the decisions they make while playing and everything. So uh, there's some parts of it that I can fully understand in terms of narrative. Of course, uh, it's within our own right to say, well, that's the framing story. This is the way we're, we're going with it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but uh, uh, in, in game terms, yeah, in game then, yeah terms, I can I understand think, that yeah. some people wanted another playable act they wanted to do something instead of just clicking through the last cutscene, so to say yeah uh, well they were just excited to see more which yeah. is of course I mean, something uh, that mm-hmm. always that's, that's flatter. yeah that's yeah. a good thing you know people people really liked it so obviously you know um i think it wraps up quite well personally uh i thought and you know layla is the fourth traveler <laughs> it's it, it makes sense narratively and uh I had no issues with it personally. Jason, Vanessa, did it, did it bother you at all that there wasn't, um, other than you wanted to play more, that there wasn't? Yeah, a, I, just, I, yeah. I just wanted to play more. <laughs> um, no, I, <laughs> yeah. I thought it wrapped up really well, too. And I actually really, I thought it was a really, like, written really well, like the twist of it, they're on the train. And Layla's like, I just, you know, like, I, I just kind of want to give these guys a chance. They seem okay. They're interesting. Um, yeah, I just, I just wanted to play more because I was so like I was so taken after the um, third act that I was like, oh man, like they're like really ramping up now. I really want to play more. <laughs> well, sorry, Vanessa, yeah, we sorry. worked for it. All you right. guys broke yeah. my heart. Where, where can you go from there after that? Right? It's like right, exactly. It was a, it was a great third act. <laughs> cannot be you followed. Cannot, you cannot make it any bleaker. Like 
No, no. I mean, if you guys got any more bleak after that last one, then I, I <laughs> geez, that's, that's really, really dark. Thomas, so we haven't talked about the art in this game uh, specifically yet. And uh, the art's really, really great. It really, you did a, you did a wonderful job with the, with the with the pixel art, especially the lighting. Um, mm-hmm. And there's, like the way you get God rays in there with pixel art, it's fascinating to me. I don't, I have no, I know nothing about uh, digital artwork, so I have no idea what that all entails. But it looks incredible. So, if, um, can you talk about like any challenges you had doing uh, doing the art and what you what you're specifically proud of from it? Uh, yeah, first of all, yeah, thank you so much. Um, uh, certainly wasn't that easy, but interestingly, in terms of how, I mean, I'm quite sure that's not vastly different from any other of the, um, the people who are uh, spending a lot of time doing pixel art. And those amazing talents out there, it's just incredible to see what people still do with the pixel art, or especially today uh, with all the modern technologies, what they're able to do. So for me personally, it was also um, okay, let's do this. Let's explore this. Um, because usually I, I uh, paint like classic concept art stuff. And of course, you have like bigger canvases and not that kind of limitation. You would think, interestingly, when you start working on it, you find yourself pretty much doing the same stuff all over again. I mean, all the rules and all the, 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 um, the things you learn from making other paintings or other art as well. 100% apply there. So it was still the same, basically the same things all over again. It's just um, the only things, the challenges, of course, are how can you, um, with, with characters um, uh, who have like one pixel arms, mm-hmm. how can you tell uh, a fancy Rolex, right? So with basically two pixels. And it's interesting. This is, again, something that is a little bit black magic to me because at some point it's just you you make some... Uh, color points there and then we have a hotspot telling her this is a this is a drawer and then laura comes along and uh, she gives this uh, this entire thing uh, together with the audio and everything brings everything to life so what i can do is just really just on a sufficient level going that far but when it when you actually see it the first time in game with all those beautiful texts and the audio especially then it's uh, when you actually feel the the end or the the mm-hmm. result of all what you're doing, then especially since it's a game and and yeah, this is something. If if I say if I'm particularly proud of something, um, I think it's as cheesy as it might sound. It's actually on us doing this entire thing. And for me personally, <laughs> it's always just looking at the next scene and like I need to do this. All right, yada yada, and then we need an animation here. All right, let's do this. And uh, ah, it's still not finished. Doesn't feel round here. Let's do it. Make me make another animation here. But then seeing everything come together in the game, it's it's so it's so exhausting because game development is like. For me, it's always like you need to do everything like seven times for it to be finally in the game. <laughs> it's just so, so insanely complicated still, even with all those wonderful tools we have. It's still so complicated and still requires so much time and fixing and whatnot. So finally, in the end, looking at this, this was the moment for me, like, I think for me it was just seeing one of the first YouTubers, I think, when uh, just playing, there was like, wow okay this is what we did there look at this person having a jolly good time wow all right this this was worth it right all of this was really worth it worth it so yeah um, so in terms of, of graphics it's it's basically the same what i'm doing before but in terms of being proud of it it's it's just uh, on the entire project and us as a team not having murdered us 
But <laughs> God knows how intended. <laughs> what? Wait a minute. Talk um, about your job. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So it's in terms, like what you do? Right. Um, yeah. In terms of uh, graphics, it's just really it's like uh, 320 pixels by by 200, and that was the canvas, but. In terms of actually achieving all these graphics, it's in, in terms of what, what you're what you're doing. Um, it's not at least for me. It didn't feel that much different than from doing concept art, what I'm usually doing as, as a day job. So, yeah, um, of course, pixel graphics come with it with limitations, as I said, like the the size and animation. Granted, animation is an entirely different beast, but. Um, for for all the sets and everything that felt more or less the same and mm -hmm. uh, yeah also a lot of exploring on my part for sure but it was funny i remember this podcast that we listened to uh, which one was it i don't know these guys love the game and one of the guys was absolutely in love with your art and he was <laughs> losing his shit over the lighting like it's how so good. can somebody <laughs> yes draw this kind yeah. of lighting in pixel art where is this coming from and then they went to his art station <laughs> where he said uh, he has uh, like stuff from his actual day job like concept artist kind of stuff and he said like okay i get it now <laughs> like if you have uh if you come from that kind of like more classic background where you actually draw scenes you have to uh create the atmosphere with the light then that translates to any other medium you're using, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've, I felt incredibly flattered when listening to this guy. It's like sometimes you need people who are not only not you, but from really from sometimes the other part of the world to look at your stuff, to see what you're doing. It's an, oh, all right, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. But uh, uh, difficult is sometimes seeing that myself uh, in, in that way. So it, it's good and, of course, incredibly flattering to to hear all this and and to to have people saying, ah, it's, it's amazing how much detail uh, is in all those images. For me, it's like, mm -hmm. hey, it's, it's great that you picked up on this and that, that you were able to see all this because I wasn't sure myself always. It's just uh, I was vastly, uh, as you can tell, even by playing this game, learning as we went i mean uh, the first act for example in terms of its visual look is certainly a little bit different than the third act for example <laughs> uh, yeah, a little bit. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, um, but uh, but i'm okay with it it's, it's for me perfectly fine that they they, they look the way they are but uh, of course once you're knee deep into doing all this kind of stuff uh, you, you learn a thing or two uh, along the way, so you yeah. cannot just prevent it from happening and then I mean, go crazy. I, we also wanted to to leave all the supernatural, super creepy stuff for the ending, right? Sure. At first it was, sure. let's make this a bit more, um, uh, the first act a bit more normal, more everyday. The second act, let's not go crazy. Let's, uh, you know, repress ourselves a little bit. Let's keep it under control. Let's keep it tight. Let's t tell this story with colors, with a change mm -hmm. in between the day and the night. Which is um, such a good touch, yes. And and then you can go crazy in the third mm -hmm. act. It was basically something like that, you know, like, it's give me the second there. act. Give, give the second act to me. Let, let me tell this story oh, exactly yeah. the way I wanted to. And you tell the story with the colors. And then in the third act, we can go crazy with like rituals, with creatures, with, uh, you know, drips, uh, stuff that drips from the floor to the ceiling. You know, let's well, go. A lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mm. 
it seemed like it probably was a lot of fun to do <laughs> the the uh, the sewer the sewer scene. I'm not sure exactly what it was specifically, uh, and then and then the battle the battlefield scene too. Um, a lot of wonderful little touches. Uh, my favorite little t- little touch um, in the game is actually in the second act, and it's. You're t- and it's the moment when the laudanum, the very end of it, when the laudanum is like, um, as she, as you walk through the house, it, it becomes dark behind you as you're going. I like this. The transitioning uh, as you moved was really yeah. well done and uh, timed perfectly, too. Like it it uh, had to have been a little tricky to code to code that. I'm not I'm not you know, again, I don't have any background in this, but it had to <laughs> take taking, taking some work for sure. Jason, do you have a favorite little touch from the artwork? little art moment in the game that you really that really stuck with you you know i think it was really the in particular maybe it's just because it was the first vignette there with carlo just the really pretty like aesthetic in that hotel room and then after what happens to patrick happens uh, the change in the room the lighting change the Mm -hmm. picture change it just really i was like whoa okay like that it really stuck with me then through the rest of the game it was just sort of like a all right, let's see what these guys can pull off next because I was very, very impressed with that from the get-go. Cool. <laughs> that was very Lynch, okay. actually. That was, yeah, yes, that yeah. was my uh, Inland Empire kind of moment. <laughs> the lights turn off and you only hear the, the drone God, in the background. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vanessa, do you have a favorite little uh, artistic touch in the game? I do. Uh, mine's a little bit silly. I am obsessed with the way that Lady Winterborn dances. I think that's so cute. <laughs> the, the, cha- the change between um, yes. songs as she's dancing, I just thought that was so great. I loved it so much. Um, it made Thanks. me want to uh, spend more time with the record player just so that she could like get down. Endless. <laughs> 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 it's it's very cute. You really it's so nailed. cute. Yeah, and then but what all of Act Three really, uh, or not sorry, Act Two is my favorite act. I'm um, just like I love the whole. Um, I love like the descent into madness, basically that she goes through. It's just so, so enthralling. Laura, which act are you most proud of from that you wrote? I definitely have to say Act Two for act sure. Two? Yeah, yeah. I'd say Act One was more of an experiment. Act Three was uh, was a trip. Was Yes, it is. Journey, yeah. But in a in a personal sense, Act Two was uh, very emotional. I explored a lot of like personal experiences with that one. I drew while the other acts we took a lot of influences from other media, mm-hmm. like TV shows. Like Act Three, we took from the Nick. Obviously, there was some Twin Peaks influence. There was horror movies influence. Mm-hmm. Act One, there was the talented Mr. Ripley uh, stuff like that. But Act Two, it was all basically like personal experience filtered through. Of course, I have never been married to an English aristocrat. <laughs> and, uh, luckily, Did you, I have you, never... you have a cat named Lord Socks or whatever. And I have never yeah, killed yeah. a cat. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that got dark. Yeah. That got real dark. <laughs> but but yeah, a lot of it was uh, was drawn from personal experience. So obviously, for me, it's the most emotional one. I think it feels also like the best rounded of the best. Feels like finished like better topped off of all three uh, yeah i think it's the one where i actually wanted to express the most uh where i wanted to more like create an emotional connection right with the player the other ones even though you can empathize with the with their issues uh 
being victims of uh, you know homophobia, racism, whatever. Uh, this mm-hmm. one was just uh, yeah, was just the the most personal one and the one that was like more grounded for me. I think. Yeah, it's it's my personal favorite too, Jason. Uh, do you have a do you have a favorite act? Boy. I mean, it's really a toss-up between the second and the third one. The second one, let me just say, Laura, you guys gave me um, anxiety every time uh, she would start stumbling a little bit. Like, her walking would turn into, like, more of a stumble, dragging herself along, just barely hanging on by a thread. As she got near the stairs, I was like, oh, God, oh, God, she's going to fall down the stairs. Oh, come on, come on, come on. (laughs) Just, like, peak anxiety there. But the third one, um, you you guys, of course, don't know this, but I have a... uh, odd fascination with world war one so you guys uh, oh. throwing that in there i was like oh okay perfect it's not just like the geopolitical aspects of world war one but it's also the a lot of the human aspects of world war one where people are having to come to terms with the fact that they are just meat in a grinder basically you know it that's true for all wars but this was in such a pace that it was never seen before in humankind and that was sort of like one of the things I think that latched or I latched onto with World War One so much and then having Jordan take or having lived through World War One and seeing some of his experiences through that and then a lot of that with some of the like podcasts I've listened to and the books I've read, the personal stories on how traumatic it was and the injuries that a lot of people suffered and how they had to cope with them. A lot of that came through very well in that little, it just, I mean, couldn't have been more than like a 10 minute sequence, but I mean, it just, it really hit home. And like I said, as a guy who's like really into world war one, that right there just really stuck with me as far as just, Oh, okay. You guys nailed this feeling that I'm aware of historically, you know? Wow. Thanks. And it's not a Canadian flag. I just want to throw it in. Yep. That's a Canadian flag. It's not. <laughs> I'd, I'll say I never I never thought it was a Canadian flag. Okay, you know, so you at least got one oh. person that didn't think it was a Canadian flag. I guess. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, so. One of the very few. Yeah. <laughs> I was very impressed with the uh, Harlem Hellfighters reference in there. I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, I cannot claim to be a history expert, but I I do try to do my research, right? To try to make everything fit and and just feel right. Of course, there's a lot of like bespoke research. Like I say, I, I mm. cannot really just pull everything out of my 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 general knowledge and when we go into specifics i like things to to just um be coherent at least mm-hmm. i i cannot give a talk on world war 1 but i did i did find out a lot of stuff i did learn a lot of stuff through that research and, and that's also super interesting when you're creating also uh, this happens a lot with writers, right? They're researching for a novel that they're that 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 they're writing, and suddenly they become like experts in the most uh, <laughs> weirdly specific yes. things, right? I think you're selling yourself a little bit short here. I mean, it went to the fact that I was sure during development that you researched the wording, like really down to its like every single word you like double checked if people actually said it back then because uh, i still remember people uh, saying when playing ah oh, uh, uh, that character uses that word and that's probably not that coming during that period of time for me it was always like yeah you think that but i'm quite sure she checked like seven articles for that so <laughs> it's just, so um 
Um, I, I felt always very in very sure hands when it came to that. So if you mentioned the Harlem Hellfighters, here are some articles, read that, and there's some some uh, image references. So you get this from me. It's like perfect. Oh, thank you. Then <laughs> I'm going to totally use that. <laughs> yeah. My next question is, uh, is definitely on the heavier side, and uh, feel free to not answer if you don't feel comfortable with it, uh, or if anyone else here doesn't, just let me know. But I feel like it has to be mentioned that suicide is a very big theme, or I don't know if a theme is the right word, but it's a part of this game, and every act takes place at the end in a different in different ways. Would you be able to shed light on why uh, you went in that direction? And again, if you don't feel comfortable with that, you don't, you don't have to answer the question at all. We can move on. I thought it might be worth mentioning at least. Yeah, well, it's also kind of part of my personal history, right? Mm -hmm. And it's uh, it's really tragic. It's a really tough choice between to keep suffering, to end it all, but then transmit that suffering to somebody else. It's um, something I struggled with um, mm -hmm. during my life. It was Camus, Albert Camus, um, the French philosopher, who said that the only philosophical question worth answering is the question of suicide, whether this life is worth living or not. And mm -hmm. um, it's simply a, um, something that's uh, that's very close to me. Mm. And I also felt that it provided um, just simply on narrative terms, just not on emotional terms. It, it provided a good uh, closure to everything, right? Somebody who, despite being a supernatural being, somebody who who cannot really understand what it means to be human, what it means to suffer, she tries her best and she understands what these people went through and feels compassion towards mm -hmm. them, right? Yes, yes. So it uh, works in two levels, like the very personal one for me, and also like a really good narrative conclusion, like a bow on top of everything. It funnels all this suffering. Um, how can I explain this? Like, there's no reason for any of this. Like, these deaths are all absurd. There's no reason for our suffering, but somebody might take an interest in your story and, you know, maybe give you, offer you a little hand in the end. It's it's hard to explain, but I don't feel there needs to be a, a reason for everything. Just yeah. like the tragedies that things don't make sense. These people did not deserve their fates. Mm -hmm. You could argue that it did not deserve to die this way, did not deserve everything that happened to them, but it still happened to them because that's life and it sucks and it's garbage yeah. and it's not fair, right? Um, so in the end, somebody just um, choosing to acknowledge those stories and saying, you know, you're going to live on because I feel what, I understand what you felt and you went through. It's a, it's a powerful conclusion, I think. I agree. I think you handled. I think you handled it very well too in the writing. It didn't feel um, immature in any ways. It felt like you. Um, 
it never lingered on any of that stuff either. It was, uh, and it felt it it, did, it didn't it didn't feel out of out of nowhere anytime. Also, I think your your the writing uh, lent itself to it really well. Um, Thanks. Yes. Uh, so, uh, I think you I think you accomplished your goal personally. Uh, to move to the lighter side of things, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is there a lighter side to this yeah, game? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the mu- the music is quite lovely in this game. Uh, the music selection and and also the way it plays on itself and calls back to itself in the different vignettes mm-hmm. um, is mm-hmm. a really nice touch and definitely adds layers to the story that I haven't quite figured out yet. You know, it's definitely requires more thinking on my part as to why those things came back the way they did at, at the times they did. But I wanted to highlight that it's uh, quite good and uh, of the era and it takes place in the 20s, as I believe we mentioned once or twice. Uh, but yeah, I really liked it. Uh, Jason, you're the music guy uh, <laughs> and on, this, on this podcast, on this website. Uh, How do you feel about the music? I, like aesthetically, it just really blended really well. And I, I, again, just sort of mirroring what you were saying there, John, just the a lot of the themes coming back and a lot of the music just getting twisted in some senses uh, as things broke down really just added a great effect to it. No offense. I don't know if this is something I'm going to listen to on its own because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but as far as a, uh, as a, just a piece of the game, it is so integral to it and adds so much flavor and just interesting. Like, boy, I, I I'm struggling to get around saying like, it, it's really a game that kind of takes advantage of all, all of your senses and letting a lot of your imagination fill because for me, music in games normally does a not want to say a lot of heavy lifting, but especially when the visuals are in this aesthetic where it's your imagination has to fill in a lot. So the the music, I feel like, really kind of helps color those pieces in your brain, like puts the two together and makes it a reality in your head versus like, oh, here's some pretty art that's kind of moving around a little bit, you know, and I think this did that very, very well. And I really like a lot of the sound effects in there, too, um, especially the uh let's say squishing as you're going around in the, uh, the sunken library of sorts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> as somebody who uh, listens to a lot of video game music on vinyl, I really appreciate the, the little bit of a cue burn as the record started. And then the, the slight, the slight, uh, you know, popping and the slight crackle there yeah. as it went through. I, mm. I was like, Oh, that's a nice little ne- that, not completely unnecessary, but a nice little touch there that somebody who maybe listens to vinyl would listen to that and be like, Oh, okay. That's a good effect. Yeah, uh, I mean, many of those pieces are actually recordings of a really old vinyl, so the the noise is not an effect; it's actually there. Oh, that's incredible! I, Very I, nice. I just I I actually added the 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 noise of the needle, right? So it would oh. sound like actually somebody dropping the needle on the record, and the little mm-hmm. the the little bit of noise at the beginning, and then when you when the record stops, there's also a little bit of like. You know the, the little sound, yeah, but a lot of those recordings are actually like super old recordings. Then, and that's how I was able to use them in the game. Um, also, because the game is free, we were able to avoid some legal limitations. Uh, mm-hmm. I was able to use some pieces of music that were licensed for non-commercial use, which I would not have been able to do if the game hadn't been free, which is a, a huge advantage because it it, it uh, allowed me to use some amazing music. Yeah, I wouldn't have been able to otherwise. Yeah, you did a, you did a wonderful job. Um, Just to address it, no, though, the choice of music was not the main reason to have it free, though. So uh, uh, 
that's probably one of the one of the reasons. But I think it was the consequence. Yeah. Oh, sure. uh, we decided that at first that the game was gonna be free, and because we decided that the game was gonna be free, exactly. I, I was like, I, oh, I can use this music. Exactly, because we uh, we have so many. Uh, I mean, it's countless people telling us on the internet, why is this free? This shouldn't be free, and and everything, and and, and most of it comes from a really good place. I'm not. <clears throat> denying that, but just to address it uh, right off the bat, it was a conscious decision to actually make a game that's that's free for everyone. And just, mm -hmm. so they just could go and there's not a thing that will just stop them from checking this out. So um, yeah, I just want to throw this in there. So it's not <laughs> the music that made it free. It's uh, the decision came first and then other uh, opportunities. <laughs> a happy consequence, if you will. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we do a little uh, Q&A at the end here with some listener questions. We, we got one this week, and I also thought it would be an opportunity for, because uh, I've been doing a lot of talking here, for Jason and Vanessa to also ask you guys some questions. They had anything we haven't talked about yet on their mind. Uh, so Jason, first of all, could you re read our listener question that we got? Yeah, we got one on Twitter, and it is from, uh, I believe it's Sarah Jones. And it would be, hi, would love to hear more about how you created and scripted the puzzles into the story. They feel so smooth and add so much depth to the narrative. It's hard to talk about inspiration and how things uh, appear in your brain, right? How these ideas mm -hmm. take shape. It was obviously uh, really intentional. It was always, we knew that the, the puzzles needed to be integrated in the narrative because one of the most annoying things about uh, adventure games as a genre is the completely unrelated puzzles, the moon <laughs> yes. logic, yes. And, and the puzzles that are completely uh, separated from the narrative, like sliding tiles and water pipes that's like what's this doing here right mm -hmm. we really wanted the puzzle to have to do with the narrative to be a part of it and especially in the second act it was really important to us not to break immersion that the character did not know she was actually solving puzzles so to say uh, she should not be thinking in terms that, oh, I need to do this to open this door, right? Because the whole point is that she's kind of like repressing her memories. Yes. And these things happen by accident. I'm doing air quotes here. And suddenly a memory gets triggered, but she's not doing it consciously. So we had to play with that. And uh, the way that uh, Thomas designed the mansion, it was very easy to fence her in and associate progress with new rooms and unlocking new rooms via new memories. And with the, all that, we started working as to how the puzzles themselves came to be. It's just a matter of, you know, inspiration. You think a lot, you bang your head against the wall, you try to come up with things, you come up with ideas, then you, you know, you've, you're onto something, then you polish it a little bit, like the conservatory puzzle. At first, it was a little bit different. You just saw a ghost walking from point to point, and you will have to follow it. And then Thomas came up with the idea, like, what if the ghost is doing a different action, and you have to reconstruct that sequence, right? Mm -hmm. And that was like, wow, that's next level. That's taking the very basic first idea and turning it into an you know, like a real puzzle, something that, that's really worth and has a much more interesting visual visual component. So, yeah, like I said, the idea, the basic idea that we had to integrate the puzzles as part of the narrative was there. How we got to the actual puzzles, that there's a gap there, there's an abyss. It's just <laughs> a lot of work, a lot of just magic inspiration, waking up in the middle of the night, like, I got it. 
<laughs> Mostly on your part again. I mean, uh, I would like to add. I mean, it was a, it was clear right from the beginning that we are not going to have an inventory system. So this was something that we felt. Not that it's inherently wrong by no means. It's just for us. We felt, you know what? Let's not do this. Let's try to keep the eyes of the player always on on the narrative and and and, and the scene, and not have them make that sidestep and. Um, Again, not that there's something wrong with it. It's just for us, it was uh, not, let's not do these kind of, of puzzles. So this was not an option. Any, everything had to happen more or less in close vicinity. And so there were these rules were in place. But uh, again, um, as with a lot of the, uh, things in this project, this is something that we explored a little bit as we went into this. And I cannot be more happy that actually most of the actually great ideas uh, came to her because I, I would have been largely overwhelmed. I'm good in jeopardizing ideas. Like, what if, <laughs> if, 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 if she does that? Or maybe that? Or maybe they go to space? And then it's like, <laughs> no, no, no. Let's do. Let's uh, stay focused here. So um, let's, keep little, let's keep ourselves a little grounded there. <laughs> yeah. We were, we were just talking about stuff for the next game. And it was like, we already have an idea that works, right? <laughs> Why come up with with something else? But it, it's it's good. It uh, keeps you on your toes. Also, like uh, when you when you present an idea to somebody and they find the cracks in it, that's good because uh, otherwise the players are gonna find it for sure. Yes. Yes. So it, so it's better to nip it in the bud, so to say. I thought you did an excellent job with the pacing of the puzzles in there. Um, mm -hmm. I th and they they never they never overstayed their welcome, uh, and they all felt they were all they were all expressed very clearly in a way where I could tell it was a puzzle, but the um, and the solution would need to work out a bit. But I knew that I knew the way to get the solution. Uh, never frustrated. Oh, that, that's always tough yeah. because uh, people like think many different ways. We've had all kinds of reactions, wow. like people who who just uh, weren't paying attention to the details. They got stuck, like for you know, like. 15 minutes in a puzzle, some other people just breeze through them. It's really hard to balance those things, oh, yeah. even when you have testers. Uh, of course, everybody's brain works differently. So basically, it's about making sure you you present players with all the clues, all the elements they're going to need. And after that, it's, you know, a bit of everything, anything goes, anything can happen. We also try to, to, to sprinkle not make everything about the puzzles. We also have some some stuff that's just basically tasks, right? Just put the flowers on the table or take the, the glass and eavesdrop on the door, like alternating actual puzzles where you have to think with stuff that's just uh, go here, get this, put it somewhere else so as to give a little bit uh, more variety. <laughs> Uh, maybe this is a good moment to make a huge shout out to our actual testers who did it in the, in the AGS <laughs> yeah. forums, uh, who just voluntarily helped us in, in doing all that. This is this was just for me. I think uh, I mean again, uh, Laura did most of the communications in, uh, up until this point, uh, which is good in many ways. And, um, and and when we got all those testers and the first feedback, and it was just, oh, it's so great that we have people out there who are absolutely willing to spend their free time helping, helping some uh, rando devs somewhere in Berlin with their game. And this is just <laughs> incredible. Although there's, there's no better 
feedback than seeing somebody play your game. Oh, yes. Like when we released it and we saw the first YouTube playthroughs and we started seeing where, you know, most people got stuck, where they had problems. That's absolutely invaluable. And I hope we can do that for our next game. Maybe have, you know, looking over the shoulder of people playing or have people recording their playthroughs because that gives you so much insight into how people think and what they are actually seeing and uh, how they're approaching the, these situations. And actually for the Steam uh, edition, uh, the game is exactly the same, but we did polish a couple of things that we, we saw that people had uh, problems with. For example, finding the, uh, the entrance to the bathroom in the first uh, act. Some people were just wandering around the whole hotel room <laughs> and did not find the exit to the bathroom. So we made it a bit larger. Uh, there were a lot of people had trouble, and that was very really fair finding the, uh, the key, key to the clock. Yeah. You know, little things yes. like that. <laughs> Those things need a lot of testing and a lot of different people to 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 gather like significant amount of of data. So to say. Yeah, and and uh, to all people who are. Um, absolutely right and sometimes being frustrated about it and with all due respect i would say do it yourself and you learn you find out how difficult these things can be just sometimes things that are absolutely clear to you um not so much for the next person it's, it's just uh, yeah, you can see it in yeah. the steam reviews like it's 50 50 like yeah. Puzzles were frustrating or it took me oh there's <laughs> one thing for sure what what i think um um all of them had in common. They absolutely loved the way we did walking in this game. <laughs> yes, these big fans of it, they love yeah. it. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I, the walking speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Laura, I saw what you put on Twitter with the uh, the walking uh, speed slider there. I loved it from uh, slow to slower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. Of course, we wanted to address the problem in the room. I mean. <laughs> yeah, it was just, just a bit of humor. Like we were not gonna change it anyway. We're, we're, we'll die on that hill. I don't think. <laughs> uh, once the walking speed was set, uh, just adding a slider and making the characters just run around like Benny Hill sketch would not have <laughs> fit yeah, very well. So it, yeah. it's something we didn't want to change, but we wanted to address it. Like, yeah, I, think it, I think it would kill the atmosphere and the vibe of the game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We, we're going to address it sure, in the next sure. game. We'll, we'll, we probably will not provide a slider anyway, but <laughs> no. we'll try to make characters uh, walk a little bit faster or just uh, keep backtracking on the yeah. control, not make uh, such long, you know, treks back and forth. Um, I think that's one of the most important things we've learned Absolutely with this game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Vanessa, do you have any questions for the developers that we haven't talked about um, up to now? No, um, I can say though I didn't mind the walking speed because I felt pretty confident that nothing was going to chase me in this game. So it gave me like, especially in Act Three, where I was like, "Is something going to kill me right now?" I felt like it kind of uh, made me feel a little bit easier. <laughs> so I, I kind of appreciate the slow walking speed. It's like there's nothing I can do, nothing will chase me, and if it chases me, there's nothing I can do because I'm going nice and slow. <laughs> That's a spirit. Yeah, exactly. And then I'm, I must say, I, I volunteer to be your tester if you ever need for your next game. Anyone, if you if you need someone in Portland, Oregon, to test out your game, I'm here for you. <laughs> I would love, love to be that person. Faithful words. <laughs> yes, happy to. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Jason. How about you? Not a question per se, but I did have to, uh, you know, bringing up the puzzles. I did have to say, like, I 
you know, I, I felt like the balance on them was really well done. You know, there's some that are just in some games that are just like, I don't want to say too easy where it's just like literally like put the thing in the thing. Yeah, no, grab this and just go put it over there. And it kind of holds your hand and tells you to go do that. And then there's, of course, Thomas, you might be familiar with this one. The uh, infamous uh, Gabriel Knight mustache puzzle. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, there, for me it was I think the monkey guys... wrench and monkey island. Uh, that was <laughs> okay, the, the yeah, thing. That... especially being German and the translation didn't really pick it up. That joke That's... that only works in English. Yeah, and you played in, in in a German localized version as a young teenager, and for me it was like, yeah, this is this is great. <laughs> yeah it's it's almost like sometimes americans uh forget that the rest of the world exists like uh, you know when i originally messaged you guys about the uh, scheduling time and realized that it was <laughs> c-e-s-t not central time because there's places outside of america jason you dummy <laughs> but <laughs> i think you guys hit the balance pretty well with that there were some where i had to sit there and think for a minute and i like, kind of scratch my head and like oh okay and then hearkening back to the old days where I would have to write stuff down, you know, of course I didn't do it pen and paper. I would just get my you know notepad out on my phone, but like, okay, so here's the order that these things need to be done. Or these, these are the things that need to be done in these instances. So I think you guys hit a very good, you know, uh, let's say level of entry. There's very low barrier of entry for these puzzles. And for people who haven't really played point and click adventure games, because a lot of those can be very daunting. I've tried to go back to some of them and you just get to a certain point. You're like, God, no, especially like the King's Quest games or stuff that can, if you didn't grab it at the very beginning of the game and it, you know, you can't finish the game without it. And then you get like 10, 12 hours into it and you just like, oh, I can't go any further than this now because this screwed me over. Okay, well, screw this game. I'm uninstalling it and piss off. Never talk to you again. Well, for me personally, I would also like to add, I'm simply not smart enough for a lot of these games. I have the feeling it's just like, wow, <laughs> now I need to combine all this. And yeah, in the end, yeah, it kind of makes it makes actually perfect sense. But uh, it's just to get there sometimes feels very difficult for me personally. And uh, but that is a different thing. I think for our game, I really enjoyed it that puzzles were not it was now intention, I think, to design them in a way that you should be blocked for a long time you should just ideally you get to the end of this game this was always the intention so uh, mm -hmm. if if that happened what you just described then i'm extremely happy about it to be honest because that was kind of the intention a little bit of head scratching and then ah this is what you want to do and then proceed from there and it makes uh, you feel smart yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah i don't i never once felt like um i was having to perform a psychological test on how you guys think to solve the puzzles and that's <laughs> what i feel is a lot of the problems with like older point and click adventure games it's not so much logic or like oh here's the way to get to from point a to point b it's how is the developer thinking yeah and it just varies wildly so much from it from game to game yeah, that it's it, like, especially oh. <laughs> when especially when you have a verb coin or like several actions you know these classic uh -huh. adventures where you have push pull take give and the solution to the puzzle just uh, consists on figuring out what the developer thought the correct action for that was, even if other actions make sense. I really dislike that interface personally. Like, um, yeah, like you say, you, you shouldn't have to f figure out how the developer's brain works. Everything should be laid out for you. Uh, the fact that 30 years later we're still talking about this games, uh, I would just give him that. <laughs> I mean, they <laughs> managed to do that. But of course, it's... Uh, we, I'm we very, not... very, very anti-nostalgia. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> I do, um, you know, I, I think the reason why I kind of went for this game so much is 
there's a lot of like looking back at the history of video games, like so much narrative stuff that point and click adventure games couldn't do that. I would say more console oriented games couldn't do because it just the ability for those games to do it in any sort of like meaningful way with a, any sort of interface that could possibly work uh, really wasn't possible until I want to say fairly recently, but maybe like, you know, late Super Nintendo era, maybe even like the PlayStation era. And I I have this misplaced nostalgia for this genre where I didn't grow up playing a ton of these. I played some of them. My mom worked at a school for a while and I would sit in the computer lab and play like, you know, Monkey Island or Maniac Mansion and stuff like that. But I never like I don't think I really owned any of them. And I've always had this thing of this genre of like this is the real beginning of storytelling in video games or more in-depth storytelling in video games. And also, of course, like if you go with LucasArts games, it's the more comedic approach to them. And those were some of the first like funny games I can ever remember playing. And I'd seen something like this, like kind of like it hit that thing of like, oh, here, there's a lot of good modern design sensibilities as well as just the look of it and sort of the feel of it and the way it plays takes me back like to that nostalgic time that, Again, might be a little misplaced because it wasn't really the way I grew up per se, but it takes me to where I would want this genre to be or how I thought it worked in my head as far as like, you know, um, nostalgia classes goes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, sure. About the graphics. Uh, <laughs> I mean, these were the, the triple A games back in the days, right? So these were in terms of like visual fidelity, I have the feeling these were, I think when Monkey Island 2 came out, for me personally, this was just, I mean, I was just sitting in my room with a with a Commodore Amiga 500, a 500 series, and sorry, the German just came out there, but um, <laughs> that was for me like the, the top-notch graphics right now. I haven't seen anything better at this point, even though, of course, there were PCs already and all the fancy friends had all the fancy uh, games out there. For me, this was just like, well, look at what these what uh, these folks are able to do with these graphics and with all these, with the kind of world building they did in these scenes. And this is, yeah, it gave me a lot back then. So. I know that you hate nostalgia. For me, I have, I mean, you don't need to love every aspect when looking back at it, but there are still some things that I hold very dear. I grew up with uh, 8-bit computers. Uh, I had a CX Spectrum. Um, never had a console. Um, yeah, I look back fondly on all that, but doesn't mean I want to replicate it with stuff I do now. But it's a constant in my life too. Like... Um, I uh, am a big metal fan and uh, my tastes are just getting more radical with age and listening to the <laughs> most dissonant, distorted, brutal stuff that I never listened to when I was 15. And uh, uh, you go to any video on YouTube of 80s metal and it's literally chock full of people saying there was never any music like this music today is crap i wish we could go back to this and that's what i'm against right i like to keep exploring discovering new stuff moving forward pushing the boundaries right and i'm not interested in reliving that past over and over and over again i want new stuff i want you know, to see what we can keep doing and exploring. And that, yeah, that's the basis. Point uh -huh. and click adventure games. <laughs> and po point and click adventure games, super modern, avant-garde. <laughs> <laughs> but my favorite point and click adventure game is Kentucky Route Zero. Yeah, you know, sure. I've been meaning to play fun. that for a long time. Um, it's kind of weird. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, 
So uh, on that note, what is, what is next for Dead Idol Games? Do you, you guys want to shed some light on that, or you want to keep it on the hush-hush for now, what you guys are working on currently or working on in the future? We already started working on stuff. Mm. Um, we have a lot of stuff already decided. Uh, it's going to be way more ambitious and more complex. So oh, that, boy. <laughs> I just hope we can pull it off Like from a narrative standpoint. We're going to have uh, our idea is to have a bit more uh, gamey mechanics, so to say. It's still going to be a 99% narrative game. Uh, what can we say without giving away too much? Uh, there will still be vignettes. There will be... Um, yeah, we stick to our guns. Yeah, it's going to be a, a big story, which is told through several small stories. Okay. Um, it'll be set in Latin America. Okay. Um, what else can we say? It's covering uh, the story of a family over more or less uh, three, four generations. So from the late 1800s to the late... 1900s and that's all we can give away i think yeah not too much walking and not too much walking (laughs) okay (laughs) well uh i'm I'm looking forward to whatever you guys put out next so uh, i'll definitely be i'll definitely be playing it uh jason Uh, and it will not be free (laughs) oh will not be free you know because apparently that's Yes. People hate it, hate when if they hate one thing, it's, it's apparently free, free stuff. Games. Apparently, yeah, they <laughs> hate free stuff. So. People confused about why this why this doesn't cost money. It's like, wait, what? Absolutely. Yeah. So we're gonna give them what they want, and we're gonna make them pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> Real good. I, I can get behind that. <laughs> it's gonna be half an hour long. It's gonna cost twenty five euro. Here's yeah. what you want. <laughs> Perfect. That's it. Uh, Jason, uh, can you give your final thoughts on, on Winter's Night? Yeah. If point-and-click adventure games have always like interested you, but the, let's say, um, as I had said previously, the barrier of entry as far as like puzzle solving goes seems daunting, and the just completely screw you over methodology of some of the developers not really thinking ahead that far that like nobody's going to want to sit here for 10, 12 hours playing your game and find out that they can't proceed any further when they're like right at the end of it. And then just tell that game to fuck off and, you know, pitch it into the sun. This is a great, great entry point for that. And maybe not even an entry point, but like, this is a great thing to play because it's just a treat to look at. It's great to listen to the writing in this is fantastic. The set pieces are great. I, I, I don't want to say I'm surprised at how much I ended up enjoying this. I knew, not knew, but I figured I was going to like this, but I was really kind of caught off guard, like how much I actually really got into this. And despite the darker tones, like this is a really fantastic game. And if you didn't uh, creep out Vanessa too much and she's the squeamish of the three of us, uh, you, you, I think you did a fantastic job of that. <laughs> uh, Vanessa, how about yourself? Final thoughts? Yeah. Oh, I loved it. I would definitely say, um, even if you're not really into video games, this is short enough that you're not doing a huge time commitment and the narrative is enough. Um, like it, it's a good balance between narrative and puzzle. So I feel like any, even someone who wasn't into video games, but likes a good story would be really happy to play this. And like, um, especially as winter is coming, if you have a rainy weekend and you have a few hours in the afternoon, I would definitely recommend this game. It's a uh, time well spent. Yes, uh, I echo both of their sentiments. It's a wonderful little game. It's very well. It's incredibly well paced. The writing is sharp, and um, 
keeps you intrigued throughout. It's uh, you deal with heavy themes very well, and it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's got it's got everything I need to recommend to someone. And, and it's like it's bre- it's a nice breezy way to spend an evening and afternoon. Um, it's like re- it's like reading a sh- like a nice little short story. And uh, I think you guys did an awesome job. Uh, plus, it's free, like they said. <laughs> so it's uh, <laughs> there is a way to support support it on Steam. Also, there is a, a developer pack to support it as well. Um, uh, so as we and on that note, we'll move towards the end here. Um, and Laura and Thomas, uh, could you pl- Thomas, could you please uh, let everyone let the listeners know how, how they can support you, where they can find you, where they can find you, like social media wise or Dead Idol Dead, Dead Idol Games, and uh, just like uh, let the people let the people know about yourselves and where they can find you. Well, um, we're on, uh, as you mentioned, on itch.io and uh, and Steam now. And as you already mentioned, there's also the supporter pack, which has the uh, the original soundtrack for the uh, If on a Winter's Night for Travelers, as well as the digital art book. Um, if you want to throw some uh, some coins down the line, um, this is, and of course there's Twitter. Can you name the address exactly? Dead Idol Games at Twitter. That's as simple as it goes. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm that kind of boomer that I'm not. <laughs> totally Make it as obvious as we can. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I would also like to to uh, mention that we, are, of course, uh, overwhelmed by the sheer amount of positive feedback we we saw the, uh, this far in the game. It's incredible to see all all you guys. What what kind of fun you had with the game and everything. So this was like we were doing this just as a hobby, as a side thing, you yeah. know, next to our day jobs. Like, we're going to put out this thing for free because it's like our first game. We don't know if it's going to be any good or not. And, and it just like exploded. Exploded completely. And it's and hard like, to put into words like sometimes want how you an, feel then. People want yeah. an HD edition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that happens. But just see. No, it's and, it's and, crazy. Like when yeah. something like this comes out of your bedroom, so to say, and all of a sudden it just touches so many people and incredible absolutely incredible. yeah I, I don't know it, it's been a bit overwhelming especially for me being at the forefront of all the communication social media dealing with the with the the, the wave the tsunami right <laughs> but yeah uh thanks <laughs> thanks so much to everybody who's taken an interest in this who's downloaded it played absolutely. it even given money you know like uh, we're still trying to digest all this and trying to you know, just uh, ignore it <laughs> and focus on the next thing and just keep doing our thing. As Hopefully not disappointing you uh, <laughs> moving forward. And <laughs> and again, thank you so, so very, very much for all this. And um, yeah, we love you. All right. Uh, I'll go ahead, Jason. No, I was going to say, I'm glad I caught you guys then in between uh, in between projects then because I, I threw that offer out there um, for you guys to be on and I'm glad you guys took us up on it because I'm really happy with this game and you guys lent a lot of insight into the process and I guess what you guys were going for with a lot of this stuff. I really appreciate having you guys on for that. Cool. Thanks, Thanks for having so us. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Jason, would you uh, mind doing our uh, our plug? Um, of course, I would like you to go to Steam or itch.io and support these two because they made a wonderful game and I actually double dipped. I figured I was like, I'm going to throw these guys some more money because I really enjoy this game. But if you also want to support us, 
you can go over to patreon.com slash games junk and you can kick in as low as a dollar. Now, a dollar really doesn't get you much in the way of rewards outside of a hearty thank you from me. But if you go to the $3 tier, you will get all of our podcasts we do at a higher quality audio rate in a handy catch-all feed, as well as bonus segments on Multimedia Failure, our video game movie podcast, and bonus episodes on Rock Out With Your Card Out, my video game music podcast. And for $5 a month, you will get all the stuff I previously mentioned on the previous tier, as well as a shout out on the show. So I have to thank uh, John and Vanessa for doing that as well. <laughs> also, it's always awkward when I uh, have to thank my two co-hosts. To Yeah, it's like, like hey, guys, that are on the podcast with me. Thank you. Anyway, um, also have to thank Alex Messenger, Josh Carpenter, Eric and Nathan Cooper for supporting this and uh, again, helping justify this to our loved ones. Yes, thank you very much. And on that note, I'd also like to thank Dead Idol Games. You guys were wonderful guests. Thank you for coming on and uh, talking to us about your wonderful little game. To our listeners, so long. Thank you for listening and have a garbage day.